0: I recently had a revelation our blocks to self-compassion are often outside of our awareness this might sound obvious to you but it gave me food for thought when someone is considering self-compassion maybe for the first time but something difficult to identify keeps getting in the way what is that something can we bring it to awareness can we work it through and unblock that self-compassionate motivation? Sigmund Freud helped us understand a lot about this, way back around the turn of the 20th century. Our motivations, for and against, to act in a certain way or move in certain directions, are at least partly or sometimes completely outside of our awareness. Freud is quoted as saying, the conscious mind may be compared to a fountain playing in the sun and falling back into the great subterranean pool of subconscious from which it rises. There's a whole lot going on beneath the surface. Moving, positioning, motivating, all of that that we consciously think, feel and do. Carl Jung a peer of Freud's, although I understand their relationship was complicated, elaborated on the role of the unconscious in quite a poetic way. We can no longer deny that the dark stirrings of the unconscious are active powers and that psychic forces exist which cannot be fitted into rational order the layman can hardly conceive how much his inclinations, moods and decisions are influenced by the dark forces of his psyche and how dangerous or helpful they may be in shaping his destiny. Okay. So maybe my revelation was over a hundred years late, but still let's think about this some more. A few weeks ago, I attended a conference on the topic of motivational interviewing, or MI. MI is an evidence-based, long-established approach to having conversations with people around the topic of behavioral change. For example, helping people to explore their motivations around quitting drinking or starting exercise, that sort of thing. The conference was opened by Professor Bill Miller, one of the co-founders of MI, along with Steve Rolnick. If you're interested in learning more about MI, check out their book, Motivational Interviewing, Helping People Change. Currently, this is the third edition, but next year, the fourth edition will be published. In Professor Miller's address, he talked about ambivalence. People often feel two ways about change, or perhaps even several ways. But quite often, when there's a possibility of change, people both want to make the change and don't want to make it. People have various reasons why change would be a good idea and reasons why it wouldn't. People often have these various pros and cons to change. Exercise would be good for my health, but I don't have time for exercise. That sort of thing. We can think about this as horizontal ambivalence. In other words, both sides of the ambivalence are in the person's consciousness. They feel torn about it, but they also feel quite aware of these two motivational sides. But Professor Miller also talked about vertical ambivalence. This occurs when certain aspects to the person's ambivalence, often those aspects that motivate the person away from change, are in fact operating outside of awareness, influencing things from the unconscious. Exercise would be good for my health, but I don't have time for exercise. Well, that might be an example of horizontal ambivalence. But the vertical ambivalence, the unconscious motivation against change might be, I was called unco as a child. You're so unco, my father would say. My brother was the sporty one and I was the unco one. And you can probably sense how powerful this kind of unconscious motivational force might be. In this case, there's perhaps shame in the mix. But other feelings too, such as sadness or grief, anxiety or dread, loneliness, isolation, rejection, incompetence or lack of agency or guilt, can all be involved in this kind of vertical ambivalence. Professor Miller also talks about vertical ambivalence and lots more in his recent 2022 book On Second Thought, How Ambivalence Shapes Your Life. I've included a link to this book and the MI book I mentioned earlier in the description below. What about self-compassion? Well, yes, people can feel ambivalent about self-compassion. In fact, Professor Paul Gilbert identified the concept of fears, blocks, and resistances to compassion and self-compassion. And this has become an important part of the work one might do to cultivate a compassionate motivation. A lot of that ambivalence regarding self-compassion can be horizontal ambivalence. For example, self-compassion would be good for my mental health, but I don't have time for self-compassion. I hear this a lot. People can be very consciously aware of certain blocks to them being self-compassionate. Self-compassionate sounds soft or weak, I don't know what to do or say to myself in order to be more self-compassionate. Self-compassion will make me lax or lazy, so I need to keep pushing, striving, proving myself. But there can be vertical ambivalence too when it comes to self-compassion. There is horizontal ambivalence at play, but there are also powerful unconscious motives that only compound or even severely intensify the blocks to self-compassion. I was working with someone recently, trying to figure our way through her ambivalence about self-compassion. She was actually very keen on the idea. She was an admirer of Brené Brown and Kristin Neff, and had even completed an on-demand course with Tara Brach, but she was stuck in a cycle of self-criticism and perfectionism and unable to cultivate self-compassion. We were perplexed. She would say to me, I just don't know why I can't do this. I think I get it, I understand it, but why can't I be kinder to myself? So we kept talking, exploring, and I asked her, how about when you were a little kid, what would happen when you were upset or anxious or sad. Tears immediately welled up in her eyes. I could tell she felt too emotional to speak, and so I waited patiently, quietly, just breathing and sending her silent, compassionate wishes. My father would get very angry, she eventually said, and just really mean about it. Whenever I was upset, he would say, here we go again. I really felt like he was disgusted in me when I cried. Even as a young child, he seemed disgusted whenever I was emotional. I did everything I could to hide my emotions from him, but sometimes I couldn't. One time I remember he told me to stop crying and he slapped me across the face. As you might imagine, this was an important insight for my client. In that moment, she became suddenly aware of the unconscious blocks, the vertical ambivalence, these deeply felt feelings of fear, vulnerability, shame, striving, and avoidance that were getting in the way of self compassion, in the way of change. In compassion focused therapy, we understand some of the origins of fears, blocks, and resistances to self compassion. Several research studies, including one of my own, have suggested that shame experiences early in life make us vulnerable to fears of self-compassion. Such shame memories often feel quite traumatic and become central to how we see ourselves. I'll put a couple of references in the description below, but they can also be outside of our awareness. And so being able to gently yet intentionally explore the vertical ambivalence around self-compassion can be a vital part of the process. It can be tricky, difficult, and emotionally challenging to do so, and yet it can be liberating too. We get shaped through life experiences. It makes sense that our experiences may block our self-compassion, and it's not our fault. Where do we learn to soothe ourselves, comfort ourselves, regulate our emotions? We learn it from our parents, caregivers, or the adults around us when we're growing up. And if that caregiving piece is missing, compromised, or traumatized, then we never quite get to learn self-compassion. But things are different now, and maybe, just maybe, having brought the vertical ambivalences, the unconscious blocks, into awareness, we can tip the balance. Maybe we can begin a journey towards self-compassion, some small steps perhaps. Maybe the hold that those unconscious blocks have on us might be loosened a bit as we bring those blocks into awareness. And maybe we can move in the direction of change. Thanks for watching. And let me know your thoughts in the comments below. If this was helpful, please like this video and subscribe to my channel. I thoroughly appreciate you being here.